0: Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories, from great sex to sexual trauma, breakups and breakdowns, icky secrets and happy endings. It's the stuff that makes us human and boy do we cover it all. I'm your host Hannah Harvey I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com that's m-u-m-s d-a-y-s dot com I would be very grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it means small people can find the podcast and I also really 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 love hearing from you so please contact me through Instagram at mumsdays with all your stories of life and any thoughts you might have on the episode or even questions you want answering you can find all the details from this episode in the show notes hello and welcome to happily ever after with me hannah and today i'm joined by claire venus who is at creatively.conscious on instagram hi claire hello hi hello thank you so much for joining me
1: Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Having listened to some of the podcasts and followed you online for a little bit. We've never actually met, and this is our first time meeting in real time. So I love this.
0: I know. I've got my coffee here. It's like we're having a little coffee morning.
1: Yeah, I've got my tea. Might take a little <laughs> sip actually before we get started. Why not?
0: So um it
1: says on the gram
0: that you are a so-lived entrepreneur, and I'm hoping to find out a lot more about that because I find it very appealing. But the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is one of the first conversations where we were like, oh, like we worked out that we sort of knew each other. And it was through our mutual friend, Jambo. Mr. Dragon. (laughs) Mr. Dragon, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, So I was doing my yoga, forest yoga teacher training. And we've been chatting about something completely different. Mm. And then we discovered that you knew Jambo too. But you have a love story related to this, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. So Jambo was the fabric, in the fabric of mine and my husband's love story. So it wasn't like a simple introduction. It was like a fierce introduction. And by fierce, I mean fiercely energetic. So I was working with Jambo as a mentor 10 years ago. um, And I had hit like a bit of a crisis in my life. There were some things bubbling up that I didn't understand. My yoga practice was really strong but but as you know with forest yoga it's not just about the poses is it so I was like working through all this energetic stuff and just being like I you know I don't know what I need but can you help and he could you know we started by actually going for a coffee in Cafe Royale I don't even know if it's still there in Newcastle but I remember just being really open and honest with him and being like look like I've got these gifts and I've never spoken to anybody about them before can you help me so We worked together in that way. And then we started talking about relationships and how I relate to people, romantic partners, all of that sort of bit of the picture. And he said, Claire, can you write me your relationship ethics? And I was like, ethics about relationships? What do you mean? He was like, from do you want someone to hold the door open to how do you want to feel? Like, how do you want to feel 10 years down the line? How do you want to feel 30 years down the line? And I was like, wow. So I think I was about 31 32 at this point and so I had some experience of dating and long-term relationships and kind of all of that bit of the picture that you have from kind of teens through 20s and so I had a go um and he sort of gave me it back and he was like go deeper and I was like okay all right okay I had another go I was like walking my dog at the time thinking about it all like imagining this love story imagining all through my kind of cultural reference points of kind of Disney and eat Pray Love and all of that sort of stuff and being like okay like what do I want I can ask what I want what what is it that I want So then the the revisions went backward and forward, honestly, about six times. And I was like, more. And he was like, more, more specific, deeper, go deeper. This is not enough. This is not you. This is not your essence. This is not what your soul wants. And I was like, oof, which you will know working with Jambo, like he just gets to it. Like he gets right to the crux of where he needs to go with you as a student. So I wrote those down. And then literally within two weeks, and my husband will tell a different story, there was a Facebook friend request popped up from David Venus. And I was like, this is interesting. Now I'd clocked David at yoga class. You couldn't not, like he used to arrive on a motorbike. And then there was very few men in our yoga class at the time in the Buddhist center. And so you just would clock him. He always had a suntan. Nobody knew why, you know, it's like this mysterious character, but I also knew he was married. So it was like, for me, okay like there he is he's married so it wasn't something that I'd ever sort of considered I hadn't like clocked him in that way like in a romantic way I was like there's a guy who's coming to yoga with a suntan and a motorbike um anyway so this friend request came in and I just freaked out I was like it's a man it's a married man like a married man at yoga's requesting to sort of oh Facebook and what do I do and then so I sort of thought about it a bit and I was like, OK, like, it's fine. Like married people have boundaries. It's all fine. Like it doesn't mean anything. It's OK. So I accepted it. And then I think I sent him a message, just like a nice yogi, you know, boundary message. And then I went to see Jumbo and I was like, this has happened. What does it mean? He's married. And he went, it's not clear. Like the marriage is broken down. He's going through a divorce. And I was like, me like this changes everything so so as I then went back into the yoga class and then he was there he kind of gave me this smile and I was like oh my god this is my per like this is my person like I, 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 it was honestly like a movie like I just saw him and he saw me and we were like this is it like this is this is this is happening so we went backwards and forwards chatting on Facebook a little bit. There was no kind of chat about what was going on with his divorce or his marriage or anything. Obviously it's kind of a really heavy topic and very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just light yogi chat. And it was a lot around where he was at in his life. He was working over in the Indian ocean um, on the big cargo ships as security. He'd been in the Marines and um, he'd found yoga. You know, I'd found yoga. We'd both found Jambo. So we ended up sort of practicing together Jambo had this group of us that were kind of quite advanced in our practice that he called his angels. And so we were like the Jambo's angels. So we were kind of in that space. And we just fell in love. You know, we went on dog walks and we just fell in love. And it was just all incredibly beautiful and and an incredible shock. Like I just wasn't expecting those feelings and those energetic connects at that point. But it was all because I'd done the work of writing down what is it that I want from a relationship and then so I recognized it as soon as I saw it and it was and it was that
0: mm-hmm. okay I know this is like <laughs> totally off topic but I have so many questions yeah okay okay you know
1: how long were you single before
0: you met
1: David? So I'd been, I'd been in a relationship for around about three years and we'd lived together and that had broken down maybe a year before and then so I was dating um, but sort of I just found that a whole online dating sphere just alien and quite odd I just couldn't really find any connects like I could sometimes find like a quirky friendship connect but I was still in this place of like trying to understand how somebody presented themselves online and then when you met them how that wasn't at all who they were like it just it was just making me trip out it was just a lot to like get my head around so yeah so probably for around about a year I'd like to say maybe a little bit less maybe about a year yeah I had I remember at the time I had my own flat in Heaton that I was renting and I was in the process of buying a place um on the riverside so it was around that and so when I met David I had the place on the riverside so yeah yeah about a year okay it's that
0: whole thing of trying to work out what it is you actually want that's so fascinating
1: Mm. and I think yeah society tells us a lot and our past experiences tell us a lot but when you're in conversations with your soul on the regular you know when you've got your yoga practice and you're doing your journaling and you're in meditation there's a whole lot of different sparks and experiences that are almost otherworldly to the world that we've been living in it's like a breaking open of self and you're like okay this is this is something totally different this is like putting everything down that we might have learned or society might have told us about relationships and get into the real crux of what is it really about and actually You know, a lot of what we were doing probably wouldn't have been acceptable by, you know, maybe like other people in my life, like a divorced man, or what does it all mean and stuff like that. But obviously, because I'd written the ethics, none of that mattered. It was like, okay, well, that none of that matters. Like I'm just here, and I'm here with this person, and our souls have connected. So
0: off Mm. we go. (laughs) Did you communicate that to him? Did you like go through your ethics, ethics, and be like, this is what I want, or did you assume?
1: Yeah, we definitely we talked about it um and it was less about the ethics I could probably find them to be honest I could send you them um it was less about what I needed like in the person and more about what I needed in the connection so it was about connection like I remember just writing about that and writing a a lot about nature actually like a lot of nature sort of came out because Jambo one of Mm Jambo's questions was like how will you know And that is a massive question. And that's why it went back six times backwards and forwards, because it's a huge question. How will you know if all of your life you've had relationships with people and you sort of think, you know, and like you sort of have these connects and it's nice and all the things, but then it breaks down and things disconnect. Like if you only really know disconnect, how do you then know connect? Like what's the difference? <laughs> and it's, it's gone quiet there. I
0: don't know. I'm like I'm speechless, <laughs> but I it, think it, it's, it's because, quite a story. Yeah. Like, do you remember ages ago you said to me, "I'll write me um, the big dreams essay for it for your email newsletter that goes out." Yeah. And to be honest, like you know, you're just busy with life and stuff, and hadn't really thought about it. But now I'm starting to think it's because I don't know. Like the conversation started last week on the podcast with Katie when I was house hunting. Yeah, I I read your email about
1: that, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And I don't know what I want. Mm -hmm. Mm But
1: then isn't it fascinating to ask yourself those questions? If you don't know what you want and you're in this conversation with your soul and you've got your yoga practice, maybe it's because you need to listen to what your soul wants more and what society thinks that you might like less maybe. Mm.
0: You do a lot of stuff on journaling don't you? Journaling mm. prompts.
1: Yeah yeah for sure so I think that journaling's been a real it's been a real medicine to me like I've done it ever since I was a child um, and you know lots comes out through the creative techniques that I use so i use a lot of kind of big sheets of paper and coloured pens and lots of different ways and lots of different prompts and I think when I had my children especially in the early days it was that tool to self-expression when I couldn't get to yoga class so when I couldn't like connect to the medicine that I knew before and I had this new kind of intensity of motherhood it was like okay like it's journaling again like that is the space so now I would like to blend more of the two and be more physical in my practice as well my daughter's two and a half now so I feel like I've got space for that but I've kind of fallen out of the habit of the physical so I need to get back into that embodied space as well
0: Mm, and that in itself can be tricky
1: yeah (laughs) yeah roll the mat out well I've got one behind me so maybe I'll do some stretches after this yeah
0: yeah when I spoke um to Natalie I went through a phase of being like I can't sit on a yoga mat and it was between the two trainings so I just had a super intense two-week period for Jambo learning you know to teach yoga and then we had six months until the next one. And nearly that whole time, there was this huge resistance mm. to yoga. And I don't yeah. know why on what yeah. it was, but I think yeah. it's because we went so deep. I was like, oh, my God, I can't even yeah. sit on a yoga mat.
1: There's like, a que- there's a queasiness that bubbles up. Yeah, the first bodywork session that I had with Jambo, I felt sick for four days. Mm-hmm. So all of whatever was processed through that experience was just like coming out and I just needed to sort of feel sick and like detox from whatever that was and I think that's probably some of my resistance of going into back into forest yoga back into that deep practice because I've been through a lot you know like we've been through a lot as a family um in the last couple of years well in the last 10 years we have but actually especially in the last two years so I feel like just that kind of being gentle with myself and going okay like what is it like maybe I need someone's voice to guide me back in and maybe it's more about lying down than it is the kind of fierce flow of poses I don't know but yeah I'm I'm hoping that this summer's the summer to get back to some sort of like regular practice if that makes sense
0: oh I'd love to come up and practice
1: with you yeah that would be so
0: nice and I've got into sea dipping how do you feel about that
1: well, I mean, I could tell a story. We were on Walkworth Beach, so my husband is a yoga teacher. He had um, he's a regular class on Walk with Beach just near us, and it was like a boiling hot day, and I'd gone down to do his class, and everybody would go into the sea after um, after doing class. And I looked at the sea, and I felt my body, and I was like, it's just not for me. And he was like, Claire, if you don't do it today, when are, when are you going to do it? And it's not like I've not swum in the sea. All over the world, I definitely have done that loads, but here in the northeast, I just feel like wow, that is not my space, that is not my medicine, and maybe that'll change. Um, And maybe there's something that I'm frightened of in that. But no, never done it, never been in the sea in the northeast, never not once. And Dave goes in nearly every week, or you know, he's cautious about it with his health and stuff. But yeah, he loves to go in.
0: Mm. Well, to be fair, he only
1: did it for the first time on Saturday. Well done, though. Well done. How did it feel? (laughs)
0: it was really cold but i felt like insanely euphoric for about 2 hours afterwards yeah so then i did it again yesterday and took my kids
1: <laughs> i love it and i think i'm going to go what again what did you today. do to get warm afterwards this is my main like resistance because i i love the heat and i don't love the cold what did you like did you have one of those um what do you call them those big towel and robe things or did you just no. get changed okay yeah, I've literally
0: took a towel and a really big jumper so that I could get changed under the jumper.
1: Yeah, But yeah. because you're cold from being in a sea, when you come out, you're not cold. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so you're not like shivering because of the experience you've had. You've had the experience and then you come out into the warm. Oh, okay, That I've never heard anyone explain it that way before, I like that. It's probably not
0: true in January.
1: (laughs) No, I know. I know, and this, I love all the stuff that's popped up around sea swimming in the last couple of years. It's so inspiring that people are like connecting to our Northeast coast in the way that they are. I remember going to Time like 15 years ago or something and it's all about the surf sort of community isn't it but now I bet if I went it would be like loads of sea swimmers and stuff it'd be so different. Everybody's got
0: a dry robe.
1: Yes the dry robe. They just walk
0: around walking the dogs in them you know. Yes I've seen it I've (laughs) seen
1: it actually here on the school run someone wears one for the school run and I'm like that's interesting is that lovely and warm because you know I'm obsessed with warm. Yeah 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 yeah.
0: Yeah the whole thought of it for me has been a bit like oh everybody's doing it now but then I've done it and I'm like that's why I felt good yeah. about it
1: because I knew I was going to love it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I was okay, judging I need to go my future's
0: yeah. house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. what that would be. Well, we've got a cold plunge pool outside. So me and Dave are obviously massive on wellbeing and all of our wellbeing practice. So we've got this cold plunge pool outside. So when you come up and we meet in person, you'd be welcome to plunge, or we could just pop to the beach.
0: <laughs> mm, <that laughs> See really how you feels feel.
1: With dread, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know but I definitely felt really good afterwards and when I put it on my stories yesterday a friend of mine messaged and said it releases more endorphins than a line of coke
1: so for those hedonistic days we can actually revisit it through sea swimming okay I love that
0: I know and apparently a line of coke lasts 10 minutes whereas this lasts two and a half hours Wow.
1: I'm like, oh, that might
0: explain why I'm already addicted. Yeah, already up. For like it. Yeah, no, that's amazing.
1: It. Yeah, gorgeous. And what an opportunity. I mean, it is just beautiful living by the coast, isn't it? We've got sea views from where we are, like from the yoga wow. studio, and it's just incredible. Just love it. Yeah, gorgeous.
0: So that probably ties nicely into what the hell is a slow lived
1: I really resonated I really resonated what with what you just said there about like everybody's doing it so because my background is in creative producing so I've been a creative producer since I graduated and it's difficult because lots of people don't know what that is and because it's project to project you end up like feeling like you're a chameleon trying to kind of explain what you do and then post-pandemic um I really wanted to kind of step more into the online space and kind of find my creative voice and teach other people about that as well. So I started doing that and all of the creative producer work was alongside that. My commissioned work was alongside that. And I had this month in my business that was like a 12,000 pound month. Now I'm not like boasty about money in any sort of way and everybody's got different reference points about money but to me, that was absolutely incredible because that was about 10,000 pound more than I usually earn in a month. And I realized I'd stepped into a new space that I was kind of combining all of my skill sets and allowing me to show up in a multi-hyphenate way while still working part-time, living this life by the sea, bringing up my daughter who's just two and my lovely son who's eight. And it feels like it's a bit zeitgeisty at the moment to kind of connect to a slower paced life. And I was like, this is just my life. Like this has been my life for as long as I can remember. I've always worked part-time. I've always been freelance well since 2008 I think 2008 was that kind of the real change for me and I felt like I just wanted to articulate that as an invitation so the slow lived entrepreneur thing is an invitation really it's there at the top of my Instagram because I want people to go what's that like like what is that and what's that about it's definitely not an aesthetic like I don't feel like I'm particularly good at Instagram in the way that you're meant to be you know with kind of churning out content around video and reels and like loads of photos and stuff. I'm just like there showing up like mindfully and kind of trying to express who I am and what I do. And I just really hope that that connects as an invitation to other people to think about life in a different way. Um, I just feel like with society, the way that it is and the pressure, and I felt this more, I don't know whether you connect to this since my son started school. I feel like him going into that little society every day and what that feedback is like, has reminded me of, like, what we're taught, you know, what we're taught around achieving and happiness. And when you get to this, then you'll feel like this. And I just want to just throw all that away, really. And, you know, mm-hmm. not in a kind of, like, bonkers, like, um, put the whole of society down and sort of be, you know, a mad hippie on a hill. Like, I don't mean it like that. I just mean in a really embodied way that, like, shakes up change, change for anybody that's seeing it and kind of curious about what it is and what I am and I know that for me having an online presence is multi-layered and complicated and that's why I think I was really um you know really happy to have some chats with you because I was like look at Hannah she's got this online presence and she's got this podcast and that's so exciting and amazing and I think it's been a real craft for me like I've had to really learn what it means to show up online and what part of myself I'm really comfortable with sharing and how that lands with people Mm. um and that's been a real um a real journey since sort of two thousand and seventeen. I think I started my Instagram account,
0: yeah oh, it's honestly fascinating because um I mean, I know everybody does this, and they probably look at maybe me or you or other people online and go, oh I'm sure they don't, but it's just that going online and as soon as I'm in like I want to connect with people through Instagram. But when I go on Instagram, I get totally overwhelmed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that feeling of like, I need to keep up. So-and-so is doing this or someone else is doing that. I'm not producing good enough content. I'm not getting good enough engagement, all that kind of stuff. And you Mm -hmm. really have to just put it down.
1: Yeah. You you kind of have to get those horse blinkers on, don't you? Like I love horses. They're one of my spirit animals. And I just Mm -hmm. feel like, okay, like, it's just about this, whilst also staying connected in heart space to how everybody else is trying to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. some people will be at different stages, and some people will have had some of the skills and opportunity of like that kind of platform raising. So you know, originally for me, it was like, oh well, okay, like when I get to ten thousand followers, I'll have that swipe up thing. I don't know whether you would like. Doing Instagram then, when it was like, we've got to get to 10,000 because then you can put links on and that changes everything about your business. And then all of a sudden, they let you put links in your stories. And I was like, oh, well, I don't, I don't have to do that now. And Thank I probably God. didn't have to do it anyway, but I was telling myself I had to do it and mm-hmm. I had to learn it and I had to understand, whilst also trying to understand. What connects with people and what do I want to say? And actually, like going through all of that mad imposter syndrome that the internet makes you have when you're first starting to kind of carve out space for yourself on it. So yeah, I think also, you know, like we were joking about like having our first little coffee date together, and I love that. And I feel like a lot of the time in the early days of Instagram, I was stuck connection on Instagram for genuine connection, and I was really hurt. I was like, oh no, the. Do- no they're not really asking me that they're asking me that because that's a comment and that means more comment you know when you just like realize it all and you're like this is hideous what is this like I can't do it um so I don't do it I don't do it I just do it the way that I want to do it and that feels really good but I
0: find um that lots of the comments are genuine
1: yeah Yeah, for you, I reckon because you'll have cultivated this beautiful community. And I think for me, when I was first starting out and I was genuinely interested in what other people were doing with bigger platforms, because it was fascinating to me that's when it, the connect wasn't real so if i ever say for example met some of those people in real life which i did and i was really excited to meet them and chat to them and then i followed we chatted about something and then i would follow up and like give them all the things that we chatted about that they'd asked for but then they wouldn't stay connected so either they wouldn't follow me and i'm like i'm really not about the follows, but there's a like a connection. is there a is there a genuine connection or not like what is this what like what is this i don't get it so Yeah I feel like those experiences were good for me because I understood at a deeper level everybody's playing a different game on there and actually when you want to connect with community like you do and like I do it's not a game at all it's just like an extension of self it's an extension of you so I did a few like little ads and stuff in the early days you know even though I've got a small account like I was like yeah I can absolutely do that and then I was like okay like I don't have to keep doing that like that was fun and nice to try and felt like a really nice like fun thing. But it doesn't have to be the way that I show up there. So I just kind of stripped that back and went, OK, well, what is it now? And I reflect every three months on all of the aspects of my business. So that could change again. You know, I could be like, oh, yeah, I'm up for doing some whatever on there. And um, I just think having these creative platforms on whichever one you choose is a gift isn't it it's a gift of the modern age and we have to kind of embrace it the best way we can
0: yeah definitely and I think it um it really depends on how you make your money Mm -hmm. because I think when you're a person that loves to connect with other people yeah it can then feel really icky about how you actually make money
1: Mm, yeah that the balance of it all and, and hoping that people will come along with you and understand like where you're at with that um being transparent about all of that like I don't mind at all buying through people's affiliate links in fact I love that like supporting a small business is like yeah I just I just love to do that and I'll actively seek that out like if I've been looking for something I'll be like okay like who might have a link about that so Yeah. yeah I think that that space is really important and it's really important that people feel supported in that way as well and can continue to do that work because that is that slow-lived entrepreneurial spirit. Like if you've got those links, you've taken the time to set up those links and you've got your community that want to use them, that's great, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's just reframing it and being like, uh, you have to make money and this is what I love doing and hopefully the two things can be together. Yeah, yeah I think so, for sure, yeah. So you, um, when I look at your you know you've got your Substack, you've got your online courses you've got your instagram and you just seem to have like 20 fingers in lots of different <laughs> do you want to like talk through some of the things that you're working on at the moment
1: yeah and i think it just circles back to like being a creative producer like jambo always used to say you're such a spider like you're always weaving these webs like and you're done with that web and then you come and you'll do a weave another web over here and i really love that analogy and that connection because that is that is my creative practice so all of my work is co-created and what i mean by that is i create it with the communities that i work with so Traditionally, I've always worked with children and young people. And then in the last couple of years, since I had my daughter, I've pivoted to show up more in a space for mothers, show up more in a space for creatives and like do more mentoring, like one-to-one work. But one of the projects I wanted to mention today was um, a project me and my husband are doing together. So We have very different working styles. And when I was setting up the funding bid for this project, I was like, right, okay. Like Dave will do these parts of it and I'll do these parts of it. And I think after 10 years together, I've got it right, but I don't think I could have done it even five years ago with him. I would have just been so frustrated. (laughs) So it's called The Soil Web and it is a community garden project. So we've got an allotment garden space, which is opposite our house. We live in an ex-mining terrace. So traditionally, 100 years ago, the miners would have had... Um, allotment gardens and shared produce and all that sort of stuff so there's some of that culture that still exists here it is like stepping back in time if you're local then you'll know Beamish basically we live in like a real life Beamish oh. Um, it's beautiful so the soil web is about making compost but it's also about connecting people to the earth so all of the well-being work that my husband does um has got this kind of deeper level of physical connection to self but also connection to the earth and connection to mother nature and what we need and what we need to sort of detox from and all of that other stuff so for him like he's been geeky about composting and worm hotels since he did his permaculture design course um seven years ago and there was this opportunity through creative uk and the rural design innovation fund to look at ways to do something different um, in rural Northumberland. So that's what we're doing. So we've got a series of worm hotels. We've got a partnership with a local cafe where we collect their coffee grounds and fruit and veg scraps and then we've started the process of working with the community to see how they want to make soil for their allotments but also for the gardens so we're going to have an online toolkit and then it's going to be woven into retreat days here so if people want to come practice yoga with Dave do sea swims there'll also be this element of like riding the electric bikes up to the cafe to like get the coffee grounds coming back learning about composting taking some worms away if they want, whatever. Um, so we're at the beginning stages of that. And um, it's a relatively short term project, but that will just kind of be embedded in the fabric of what we do here. And so my part of that is kind of working with the artists, working with the filmmakers, writing the copy, designing the online toolkit. Dave's is like geeking out about soil and worms and like all of the stuff mm-hmm. surrounding that. So he's writing about that on his sub stack. And then I'm doing the kind of the other stuff that kind of packages it all up, if that makes sense. Wow.
0: That's absolutely (laughs) mental. And so you written into somebody, got the funding for this. Uh, How long is the project going to take?
1: So this, this kind of research and development part of it, we're like coming to the end. So probably like by mid-June, that bit will all be sorted. So we've got like a research survey out in the world and we've kind of worked out what's the best system for our space. But what we want to do is like advise people for their spaces through the toolkit. So that'll be kind of ongoing. We'll just put that out as we've got, as as we kind of, yeah, as we kind of learn it and we've got it. And then we are looking at the allotment garden space and this kind of retreat idea and this kind of, this sensory garden really. So we've been working with a gardener to kind of explore what it means to come and spend time in an allotment garden. Last year we had a 10 person teepee up with um, a log burner in the allotment garden. And it honestly was absolutely incredible. So I did like my one-to-one mentoring in there and my friend Zoe at Postpartum Matters and I did circles together, women's circles and, it was just the most glorious space for like journaling and being creative. And when people came to it and would kind of like in this, it's not a big garden by any means, but they were just in this secluded space where they could hear the bird song, they could listen to the wind and they just could really connect to that. Like, oh, there's no noise like there's no other noise there's no traffic there's no having to like be pulled in a different direction and do lots of things can leave my phone somewhere so we know that it's possible and I guess that's what we're passionate about that you don't have to go off on like a big expensive retreat you can totally if you want to to connect back to yourself like you can connect back to yourself in really small ways um so, yeah, so it's bubbling up what might be possible, but we're working with an architect and a gardener around what we could design as a kind of permanent space in there. So a bit like our yoga studio, but different somehow. And I don't know more than that at the minute. So we're just we're doing that. And hopefully that will be built by a kind of next spring. So we're on that sort of timeline with that part of the project. Oh, my God. So that did you say it was called Soil Web? Yeah, the soil web. Yeah, yeah. So I'll send you the link where people yeah, can do. sign up for more information when we're ready. But yeah, we're just we're just done with it really, and it's just gonna yeah, it's just gonna be a strand of what we offer here.
0: Oh gosh. So yeah, you are an expert in fundraising. I know you did a um, online kind of online course thing recently about. Yeah.
1: It was a masterclass. So this this is the thing about the opportunities on the internet. So I bought into a course platform when I did my pandemic project, Creativity Island for Mums. And I will share some of the links around that, but that was a very sort of time-limited, like pandemic-inspired me having a baby in a pandemic like and weaving all of that personal practice side into like showing up for what the community of mums out there needed. So I bought this course platform for that. And then I was like, well, this course platform does quite a lot of things. What else does it do? So masterclasses were the other option. And I was like, well, let's just see. So in March, I hosted my first masterclass, which was around Substack, because I absolutely love Substack as a platform. I love it as a communication tool. I love it as a community tool. So I wanted to sort of share that knowledge. And then, you know, you, you sort of show up on Zoom and it all connects and it emails people beforehand. And I was like, oh, it's like magic. <laughs> so then I thought, OK, well, what other masterclasses could I teach? And I always get asked about fundraising because people are like, that can't be real. You can just apply for money to do things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's real. That's what I've done all my career. like So I know it inside out. I know the funding landscape inside out. But I realized that not everybody does and I was like oh no you can all do this like what do you want funding for what do you want sponsorship for what do you want to do and it connects to all of that big dreams bit of the picture which I'm super passionate about because I feel like now's the time you know we've got the tools at our fingertips like what do we want to do what do we want to share with the world so yeah it really connects to all that vision board stuff and all of that kind of soul whispers and that quiet ambition that we need to really tune into to hear properly so so that was the funding one and yeah I think um, my next one is a bit dry project budgets that's on Thursday if anyone wants to do magical project budgets with me but I'm just going to kind of keep going and see I'm just it's that test and adjust and that co-created space and with my one-to-one clients they give me all the ideas they're like oh could you like teach me about this could you do this so yeah so that that's a really lovely part of what i can offer and i mentioned substack there and i think for me that's been the other big breakthrough the last year or so so i started last april i moved my monthly newsletter i used to only send one newsletter a month notes from the sea it's called um and i moved that over in october and i've doubled my mailing list. It's still a really small mailing list relatively, but I just love it. I love showing up for the community there. I love reading long form. I love taking, you know, I just have Instagram, but I take Instagram off my phone for what is it like five days a week now. So I just do Instagram Mm couple of days and then put it down and I'm just on Substack and I just yeah I just I love being a writer I just love writing and kind of going oh like this is something that I've always wanted to do um but I didn't think my writing was good enough I didn't think I had um enough education enough writing craft practice but actually everything's encouraged on Substack and yes it was started for writers but we're seeing like huge shifts in the way people claim that title as writer now. So yeah, I'm just super passionate about it. The girl get that, Hannah, on, on yeah. Hannah on Substack. Let's get Hannah on
0: Substack. You know, you're like, oh, how many new things do I need to learn
1: in my life? For sure. For sure. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? And so for me, because um I run a course called Creative Content Club, and one of the reasons why I did that is because there are so many things that you can show up for. And the content club is about you designing your spaces to show up. So I tried TikTok for a while, like a year ago. I was like, okay. But honestly, it was making me like just scroll the internet like a mad for this. And I was like, what, what mm. is it doing to my brain? And it's just there's nothing wrong with TikTok. TikTok. is TikTok is amazing, it's funny, it's got all the things on all that, but it's just not for me. Like it's not the platform for me. And I don't feel like I'm missing out by not being on there, like Facebook as well. I'm just I'm I've I've got a presence on there, but I just literally go on twice a week for one of my commission projects, and that's it. So for me, I think it was about putting stuff down and showing up in a way that felt good to then show up for like the two platforms that mean something to me, which are Instagram and Substack.
0: Mm. And I think that's key, isn't it? Just going, what what's actually going to work?
1: Yeah. And, me- and sometimes I think people have a team behind them, right? So they've got a social media team. So like we were saying at the beginning, you see these kind of like larger accounts or like bigger influencers, or however they want to describe themselves bloggers and they actually have a plugged in team that support all of that for them so if I did try that last year I tried working with a virtual assistant and I just learned so much about myself through that process so like, this is just not me yet and it might not ever be me but right now this doesn't work so I think that if, there's always an option, isn't there, to be on every platform and have that level of support. But you would need a team. Like, you probably need a person for each platform, if we're honest.
0: I think if you're going to do it properly,
1: like mm. I was reading
0: something the other day about Instagram, someone had, it was a Substack thing. I think I'd signed up to your Substack, and then it's oh. like, you have to join so many others or something. Oh, okay. Just I don't know who they it, yeah. were, but it randomly okay. came through and it was like, about Instagram, is it worth being on it anymore? Oh, okay. And she'd done, she's got an online course all about it. And she said, Oh, I think it was Sarah Tasker. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like yeah. Fundamentally, the only way you're ever going to make it is if you enjoy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because yeah. you'll constantly be trying new things and coming up with new ideas and engaging with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's a funny one because I've been on TikTok as well. And I've just been a bit like, think if you've got any form of neurodiversity, TikTok. It's really stressful. Yeah, stressful, yeah.
1: <laughs> I find it hilarious. But I also, I was seeking out content where people were, like, um, jet washing the drives. <laughs> There's lots of people that make that. And I was like, this is lovely. You know, like that snake in the jungle book. I was just totally hypnotized by jet, jet washing drives and, like, organizing cupboards. And I was like, okay, this is just a phase. It's fine. But in consuming content, like how can you hear your own voice like it's just if it's entertaining that's one thing but like me and Dave love to watch maths so like we'll watch maths and like that scratches the itches it's like so entertaining the psychology is fascinating like we love the format of the show it's you not connected what? marriage at first like, sight Australia maths
0: <laughs> oh I was like what do you watch I thought you meant M-A-T-H and I'm like oh, I I no maths yeah. algebra.
1: <laughs> 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 no, that no, no. I definitely don't. I do, I'm quite good at budgets, but no, I don't love maths. And um, no, Married at First Sight like Australia. We've watched it for years. It was like a pandemic find. <laughs> so. in
0: Australia.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Be, I,
0: I only like I'm not interested it's in anything.
1: Honestly, it's because of the fantastical locations. The fact that oh, there are so many differences depending on where they've been, you know, where they've lived and where they've been brought up. Like there's just, there's so many interesting clashes and like interesting connects and, there's some love stories and I, I just love it. I love it. So that is my definite downtime. And I'm not ashamed to say that sometimes we put it on in the afternoon when my daughter's sleeping and we're just like all sit like as a little family just watching an episode. It's lovely.
0: Oh, But you know what? That's mindful in itself because you're invested in it it's not just oh what is the internet going to put in front of my face yeah yeah it's, uh-huh. I yeah. am choosing to watch this thing because I'm already invested in the people
1: yeah yeah I just I love I love love stories like that's why I was like so keen to talk to you on the podcast as well because I genuinely like I guess I've just always loved love like I just I'm from mm. um my, my child and my parents divorced when I was very young my mom and stepdad then divorced like I've had like a pretty rocky time of understanding all of that so that's one of the reasons obviously when I met Dave and he was going through a divorce I was like not this again Not um, you! Wrong? <laughs> exactly exactly um but yeah so yeah if you don't if you if you've never seen an episode of Married at First Sight please just have a look because it is joyous it is so joyous Oh, I have never watched it. And oh, I'm- no, I just think you'd love it. You'd love it. You can you can watch it with someone as well. It's like one of these where it's nice to like, oh, watch the think and all of that sort of stuff. It's nice. Oh,
0: so have you always been like the way you are now? As you were growing up, what kind of kid were you?
1: Yeah, like pretty... Um- was very creative as a kid so there's a lot of kind of uh storytelling um with my toys and all of that sort of stuff and like the journaling I've mentioned like I was a I was big into reading so I used to read every night until I couldn't keep my eyes open um and I feel like when I kind of grew up and understood more about who I was in the world it was really interesting being from quite like a small village and having those kind of um those kind of doors just closed to me. So I remember sitting with a careers teacher and she was asking me what I'd like to do with my life. And I said, I don't know how to explain it, but I just feel like I want to work in the entertainment industries because that entertainment industries was like a box um, that had sort of been spat out in a form that i don't know whatever. And she said to me, and I always remember this, she said, that's really interesting, but not many people make it or are able to work in that industry. So you'll need to have a backup. So what else do you want to do? And I was like, nothing. You know, I just literally was like, no, no, like that's what I'm doing. So it was an interesting conversation because I kind of heard myself for the first time and I was like, "Okay, so. If, if there really isn't anything else that I know about that I want to do, like I've really got to find a path to make this work. And I just knew that I wanted to use my creativity in a job and I didn't know anything other than that. So yeah, it was like a, yeah, it was like a deep knowing like this is what I'm doing. So I don't know where that came from. I don't know why it existed in the way that it did, but I just followed it and then, yeah, I'm here now. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: I think I have exactly the same feeling but um I, I think I'm probably still there and I'm still like right I want to use creativity in my job but I still don't know what that is and because I was good at you know maths and okay-ish at science I ended up going down the route of engineering
1: wow did you I didn't yes. know that wow and i got a first
0: class degree in civil engineering yeah. And I've never, I worked at the university for maybe three years, but it just, you know, I don't even know what civil engineering really is. I couldn't tell you now. Okay. It's okay. interesting that you can go to uni and it's so theoretical that when you come out, you're like, I'm still not really sure what I would wow. do, but I think it is a lot of just project managing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Research and, um, that kind of thing and so I think there is actually a lot of space for creativity
1: yeah yeah it sounds like it It sounds like getting a hold of something and like seeing it through to fruition yeah Yeah, do do you do do any of that then now I would
0: say the only thing I do with my degree is make really great lego and um, (laughs) train tracks excellent really good on a beach I will make really fun like waterway systems
1: wow I (laughs) love that
0: I do do think the the practical side of like seeing something from the beginning to the end is Mm -hmm. quite an engineering way of thinking
1: yeah and you can just kind of get hold of it as well like when you describe them being on the beach there like my Experience of being on the beach is like I'd sit and stare at the sea a lot. Yours will be like, okay, like let's just sort Shall of dig some a bits and Yeah, dig a hole. Yeah, yeah, I love that.
0: And I normally I get that. all the kids involved and I'm like, bring your spades, right? You dig over there. So I quite like to project manage things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of kids on the beach.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're probably quite similar in that way, in the way that our brains can see, okay, like this is a way through. So like obviously with the soil web, like I completely created that project like I have with lots of different projects before. So create the project, like bring in the people to make it happen, work on the project, evaluate the project, do another one, you know, or or keep Mm -hmm. kind of doing that one. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, and I think project management is really creative because you have to think on your feet and you have to work out what are the best moving parts to make this vision like come to life so if you've already got a vision for like a big structure on the beach and then you're bringing all the people in you might not know exactly what it's going to look like but in the end it's like a fabulous thing and everybody's (laughs) having a lovely time yeah definitely
0: I think my problem though is I don't really like finishing I love to start
1: okay yeah yeah
0: seeing it through to the end I'm like bored halfway through
1: oh that's interesting yeah I feel like I've definitely had some of that in the past like and it's when it's been when I've taken on too many projects so my one-to-one mentoring is called Inspiration Island and it's based on this framework of trying to fathom out how many projects you have at any one time and what feels really good and then also visiting these other islands of well-being island and inspiration island Mm. so that you can stay connected to both your well-being and your inspiration because they can be things that we put down just to kind of show up and do the work and then we wonder why we're sort of like falling out with ourselves or we're bored or you know other things are manifesting that we can't sleep or we're worried or anxious and oftentimes it's because we've just forgotten that well-being is like fundamentally important to who we are as people, but so is inspiration. You know, like if you don't feel inspired, it's like, well, what we're we doing it for, you know? Oh,
0: 100%. It's a great tool. So, um, to, I mean, to me from the outside, it looks now like you're kind of living your happily ever after. Do you think that when you were a kid, this is what you saw?
1: Well I love that question Hannah I just think that's it's so difficult for me to answer like I want to say yes like wholeheartedly I want to say yes but um at the same time like I guess that it's not Disney like (laughs) in the end I did my dissertation on Disney so it's interesting that I should sort of reference Disney but at the end of Disney like it's the wedding isn't it like it's the wedding it's the kind of connection of the people the couple like that's it and actually the practice of being with someone and being in the thick of motherhood it's intense you know so to sort of understand that as a child I just think you don't like you've got your kind of little reference points but you're just in your little bubble of like creating sort of fantasy worlds. so then when you're actually in it as an adult and you've got to make it work you've got to show up with your partner or your husband every day and make it work like yeah I guess yeah it is happily ever after but I think that it's only that in moments you know like sometimes I'll be like on my way upstairs to take David's cup of tea like if he's having like a particularly difficult start to the day like that's not not happily ever after, like that's still a beautiful act of service that's going to make him feel better just by like that, having that kind of connection of someone kind of coming in and, and seeing him. But it's also not what I would have seen as a child, because I just didn't have any of those reference points to like what deep love for somebody is not really, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand love, I don't think until, probably until really recently and probably until Dave got sick. You know, you say in your wedding vows in sickness and in health, and we did in 2019, but I didn't mean it. <laughs> I didn't know what I was saying. I was just yeah. saying that because we've written these beautiful vows and they made a lot of sense. So like we wrote them ourselves. But sickness to me was just like, oh well, you know, you might get a flu or, you know, you might, you know, break your foot or something like I didn't realize what sickness is and what I was saying like what I was saying out loud and what everybody was witnessing around us in our wedding like I had no clue I just had like an incredible party <laughs> I <laughs> wore an amazing dress you know like I didn't that I did have the that was the that was the Disney finisher <laughs> you know I did <laughs> I did create an amazing wedding at Brinkburn it was it was incredible it was like a beautiful beautiful experience on so many levels but um there's more beauty than that like there's more beauty on yeah, on the deeper levels I guess and I and and yeah I mean I've I've sort of stumbled to answer you but I feel like it's so complicated isn't it to answer that
0: yeah. I think the problem with um the whole idea yeah. of happily ever after is it's like you know in a book you know you're going through the chapters and in one chapter there's the wicked witch or i'd say that and as if it's a because that's a horrible concept in itself because mm. you know, i'm a single woman living on my own is that me oh. <laughs> i've also been a stepmother yeah 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 you know um but yeah so there might be an ogre or there might be um a beautiful moment between two characters that had misunderstood each other
1: mm. like those are the it's just snippets of time isn't it yeah it's snippets of time and you take in the reader on a journey aren't you whereas actually life is really different to that like I've got into reading memoir the last little while and that is like something else like I know that you've interviewed Caro on the podcast my friend Caro who I live really close to and like her memoir like changed everything in me like I could cry like speaking about it I I literally couldn't speak about it and we had to do an event together and I was like how am I gonna get ready enough for this event with this incredible person because I didn't
0: sleep the night before
1: after reading the the, book how can
0: I even interview her like yeah yeah
1: yeah 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 because because she's an incredible human but she also has articulated a load of stuff that I need to process like and that's what the exchange is isn't it between a brilliant writer and the person picking it up at that point in their life so That feels to me now like if I'd had some of maybe those influences as a kid when I was ready for them, maybe in the teenage years or something, like I used to read point horror and point romance and stuff as a teenager, but even that, like, it just feels like maybe we don't give, like, children all of the kind of aspects of what adulthood is and can be and we're obviously trying to do this beautiful job of curating their childhoods for them, but sometimes... And my son's been amazing with this. Like, you know, we had conversations about whether his dad might die. Like, that's literally what we thought was going on when Dave was really sick. Like, nobody could help. And so for him as a seven-year-old to have to have those conversations with us, it was really, really tough on us as a family. But we couldn't do The other thing where you just keep it all from from him because we thought he was going to lose his dad. So it was like, okay, like we have we have to pick this up really gently and we have to try and articulate it with him at the same time as being like devastated and confused and angry at the system and like everything else that there was. So. It's interesting in terms of this is the life, and I fully believe that this is the life that we've been given, and I surrender to all of that you know i'm I'm here and I'm wholeheartedly like open to it and living it, but it doesn't it's not the same happily ever after that, I think I would have thought of as a kid, no, no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wow. that's so tough yeah so yeah I don't even you know there's bits and pieces with the divorce where I just totally fucked it up with um my son in particular because he's older
1: how old's your son
0: he's 10 now 10 now yeah yeah and it's just yeah it's really hard communicating these really tough things because you just want to protect them
1: you do yeah you do you do and then at the same time you want to be like an authentic human as well as a mother Mm -hmm. and I think that was where I realized uh because I was trying to mask so much from him like it was confusing to him and I had to actually work it through and then be able to like sit with him and talk to him about things and and it was really interesting and it's interesting how he processes things and I think with them being pandemic kids there's maybe this is different from when I was a kid because they'd already lived through a pandemic, you know, they'd already like been told you can't see your friends, like his very essence was completely broken during the pandemic because he was an only child, so he literally had two adults that were self-employed and still trying to do their work and he was here at home and all of his little buddies on the back lane, that all just literally, the rug was pulled overnight and so... (laughs) It was like, wow, he'd already been through so much, and his—I you know, hate this word—in some ways, but school use it a lot. This resilience, mm-hmm. especially for a neurodivergent kid, had already built up to such a point that when we spoke about Dave's health with him, he was like, "Okay," and he had quite practical questions around like what would happen and what would life be, and like, would we have to move? Like, would I meet somebody else? You know, there was there was some quite interesting questions that I never could have kind of prepared for. There were just like things that he, as he was processing what was going on, wanted to ask. Um, And now we've moved past all of those conversations. And sometimes he's just a bit curious, like, where's dad? Or, well, he needs to have a rest. And then he doesn't even say, is he okay? Like he just goes and then, you know, cracks on and sort of goes on the trampoline with his buddies. Like he's just a, a very, like there's loads of acceptance, I guess, that life can be a bit up and down like that.
0: Wow, what a lesson to learn. Yeah, Watching yeah. your
1: page. Like I
0: Because I think the hardest thing is managing transitions
1: and potential
0: change and just not knowing.
1: Not knowing, yeah. And just being like, as you know, you're the version of self that you can be with them and that like kids need a lot of reassurance don't they so since I had my daughter like my son like acts out a bit sometimes and like sometimes you know we'll be in devil joke and call him teenage billy like he's alter ego but you're like where's where's my little son gone like what like what's happened but he just needs more love like if I say yeah. do you want to cuddle he'll always say yes and it's super interesting because he's not he's not one for like so much physical touch but actually that's what he needs he needs that physical touch and that reassurance in his little body and then off he goes you know so I think it's really interesting and I think like having like grown up around divorce I don't think you will have fucked anything up like you know you showing up as you is like all they want like they just want you to be you so it's not there's nothing you can always replay it can't you and think oh I like you know this kind of tumbled out in the wrong way or I got angry about this or I said this but we're not living in a pantomime of kind of goodies and baddies are we like we're just fundamentally flawed humans on lots of levels doing our best
0: yeah that's it and I love what you say there about them needing touch because I think especially like I guess it's the stereotype of little boys you know, they're just taught to like man up. And so oh, yeah. the big thing that I've really <clears> throat> made throat> sure throat> that I do with Ruben, you know, he's 10 now, but I found the years of like seven, eight, nine were really tough. Like he mm-hmm. really struggled to, with lots of things and couldn't articulate what it was. So what I did make sure I did, because he didn't really want me hugging him or touching him is every night when he's here, I read him a chapter of a book oh yeah just yeah. so that we have that connection that and connect. you know if we're watching telly we try and sit with him because otherwise he's like get away from me I want nothing yeah, to do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like well we're going to bed at eight whether you like it or not so I will read to you now or you can just go to sleep because sometimes yeah. I don't want to I don't want
1: yeah to it's right and now. it's hard isn't it because mm-hmm. you've got a kind of like be firm with those boundaries but like I feel like we've got to like practice that every day it's like I said to him last night it doesn't change it's the same every day like we've got to try and get you to bed otherwise you're too tired and I'll be waking you up for school and was I waking him up for school this morning yes <laughs> um so it's just holding those boundaries isn't it and holding. Within the boundaries, as much love as you possibly can, and as much honesty as feels like appropriate, because at the end of the day, they can only process what they can process. They're just their kids, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah, it's not like shying away from the big topics, but then also kind of being mindful that they can pick it up and put it down a lot easier than we can. And I think that's it. You know, now, and when I met Dave, The divorce was just like, you know, big red flags going off like, oh my God, but that was my childhood stories like that wasn't living in the moment like that was like, I couldn't possibly but I couldn't possibly because that child was so wounded from those experiences of just looking for love like oh that's all I wanted um and just for context like I don't have a relationship with my birth father I never have so that looking for love like I'm I'm a parent missing like so whereas most people might have two parents to show love like I just had the one so you're constantly looking for that in like ways other ways like trying to find it but it's it's because you've never had it you know it's it's complicated it's a complicated thing that I only figured out through therapy to be honest
0: yeah and I think especially if it's, you know, the male that was missing. Do, mm. go on to, do I
1: want a male in my children's life? And can you trust them? And Yeah, if then it's back to that pantomime buddy thing, isn't it? So I think that for me, it was like I could only pigeonhole my birth father as that. And I could only pigeonhole my stepdad as that because, you know, as the flawed parts of their sort of human ex- experience were playing out in front of me that felt like that's the easiest way to cope okay like that's just a bad person like a bad person does these things and therefore you don't need them in your life so it's very black and white but that's my childhood way of dealing with it i guess so not every child would deal with things in that way but that was the way that i did and i have a lot of compassion for that little girl you know she just she just did her best
0: yeah exactly we can do so yeah I mean you were mentioning Carrie's book there but um do you have a book that you feel like I have to read like uh-huh. is, is there a book that like changed your life or really like I don't know gave you a completely new perspective
1: yeah I think like I've always been quite um into self-development books. Um, I read The Power of Now in my twenties and I pick it up every few years. And I think that is the book, really. Like I was thinking about this when you sent the questions through. I think Big Magic is another one of my go-tos by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah, I adore it. And again, it's a sort of book that I would pick up again and again. And we've just been on holiday and I actually reread um one of Brené Brown's books that's on my Kindle, The Gifts of Imperfection, I think it's called. And I think these 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 work like we, I don't need more. Like I don't need more books. I just need to go back, like circle back, read Power of Now again, even Eat Pray Love, like that story oh, of romance. I love that. And you oh, just I need really reminding. Yeah, read that again. And um mm. Yeah, it was a total cliche and actually read some of it in Bali. Like, <laughs> stop anyway. it. I did, I did. Um, yeah, so yes, I think I think that kind of permission to circle back and also like, I'm excited about memoir. I'm excited about reading memoir, but I think I'm also realising that it stirs up a lot in you. So yeah, yeah like yeah. being cautious about it as well.
0: Mixing in a little bit of
1: uh, lighthearted wrong calm yes yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure watching this movie I mean I watch Frozen with my daughter most days she's obsessed <laughs> so we've got um we've got all of that space as well it's nice yeah good
0: oh that's wonderful okay to end because this has been a nice juicy long one <laughs> if you could give someone like I guess it's kind of like your rules or the boundaries that you set for yourself so that you can live a slow life what would you say would be your tips for somebody trying to get into sort of space that you're working in now
1: yeah and do you you feel like people would want to know about slowing down being more conscious like doing work in a different way which which direction like like
0: what if so say for example um I was speaking to Josie Baxter about how to be healthy, and she has like three things that you need to do as a minimum every day. Mm-hmm. One is drink three litres of water, do your ten thousand steps, and get eight to ten hours sleep. Okay. And then at a minimum, do those three things. So it's yeah. that sort of vibe I'm going for. I
1: get it. Yeah. No, I like that. That's lovely. Um. So I think for me, um, it's about routine, and um, routine is something that I would say like has only really happened in this latest chapter of my life. So maybe like the last five years, I understand the importance of a routine for me and for my wellbeing and how it influences my work and my creativity. So in the mornings, I tend to get up before everybody um, and I have at least an hour to myself Drink coffee, I write, um, I go and let our chickens out. So we've got pet chickens. Um so I go and let our chickens out and I check on my plants in the greenhouse. And that collection of things that I'm that I'm able to do, and I'm only able to do this now that my daughter's a bit older and we're in summer because I'm you know, I'm really charged up by the sun. I wouldn't be able to do this in winter. Um, but this summer routine has really kind of given me that space to feel like I'm heading into my day and I'm heading into my week and I'm feeling very aligned. I feel like I've taken care of myself. I feel very happy to kind of stride forward into my day. So definitely the routine, if it's not a morning routine, it might be like a nighttime routine for someone, but just having something that is like the same nearly every day um, and that works to help you feel connected to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think The second one I'd say is about thinking about things differently so I think in the conversation I have kind of talked about thinking on my feet and kind of trying new things and I haven't been afraid to do that but that's come from like a place of um like a whole career of trying new things and seeing what happens if things don't work but also kind of snuggling up to curiosity like what if I try this so with the masterclass on Substack it was like well what what happens if I try this like shall I just try it and if it doesn't work it's not a big failure like it's just I tried it and it didn't work and actually it did work and it was my my most successful kind of product that I'd launched and that's probably because I've had some practice in that so it was like okay so yeah curiosity around trying new things um and then also I think collaboration in the right way would be my third thing so I feel like there's this whole I don't know whether it's toxic but it's not real messaging around incredible women that are doing incredible things um but they're not doing it on their own like we don't know what you know what backgrounds people have had, what start in life people have had, both financially and both through kind of security of like their tribe and their family and all of that sort of plug in. We don't know what sort of teams that people are employing. There's a lot of showing up on the Internet that looks like it is just them. And because of the industry that I work in, I work in the cultural sector as well. I know that those people have teams of people behind them on every single level. And so acknowledging that, but honoring that we can also bring in people that we want to bring in. So I've got a podcast about to launch called Company of Two with my friend Laura. And Laura lives in Surrey, I've never met her. Um, but she said, you know, do you fancy doing a few podcast episodes together? What would it be? And we've created this space, but then we decided it was bigger than us and it was about community. So it's being balance and business and motherhood. And it's a substack space and like interactive mo- magazine for mums who are mainly in the early days, but want to find other people to kind of vibe off and connect to and like ask questions to because. On the outset social media has given us this impression that we're all just pulling it off and actually there's so much other stuff like we're all maybe being sort of a collection of lovely swans swimming together fair enough but actually there's so much that's happened both in years gone by and both behind the scenes as well so yeah i think that kind of seeking out collaborations that feel good and seeking out co-creation that feels good as well so the people that we're working with on the soil web project There are a couple of new people that I've not worked with before, but there are some people that I've done quite a few projects with now. And I'm like, I love working with them. This feels really good. Um, And then something can be bigger than the sum of its parts. So I think just being able to kind of go, okay, if the vision is this big, who's going to help with the vision, you know? And, And I guess that's the last strand really, isn't it? Like if we're doing these vision boards and like feeling connected to like those heart leap moments of, Yeah, I would really like to, like, I think for you, you mentioned in your last email, like, I'm writing a book, I'm really writing a book, it's gonna happen. So (laughs) if you're writing a book, who's helping? Like, what's the book about? Like, who are you working with? Who's helping you out? Like, with your confidence, with um, the kids, like, with, you know, meals, like, whatever it is that you need to write the book, because we don't do things in a vacuum do we like we we, as humans like we want to be in a tribe we're like fundamentally wired for connection and that's why we've ended up showing up online I think as as much as we have um so yeah hopefully that connects for people and and I'm always happy to chat more online like I'm really I love like chatting online it's just a a lovely gift isn't it a lovely space to be you're
0: so good at doing it like just (laughs) finding out people and connecting with them like just getting messages from you and be like oh there is a human out there yeah sometimes you can feel really isolated you're like I really want to share and I really want to connect but um it doesn't always get a response
1: yeah like sometimes if you put something out there and like you're looking for that aren't you and I think last year I was really lonely in my commissioned work so I have a commissioned piece of work um the plug on the I have a commissioned piece of work um called the Culture Northumberland Project and it's Northumberland County Council and Northeast Cultural Freelancers Commission and I was doing it all but I just felt like I couldn't really like hear anyone else's thoughts other than mine because I've got this Facebook group for it but it was just sort of crickets I was like nobody's really responding to anything and it feels weird and I just set an intent to like get more connection for that work and then I just unpacked what that might look like and actually some of it was like whatsapp voice notes with with a colleague and a friend um and other bits of it and it's now like a a project you could go along to one if you wanted is co-working so just like free co-working spaces and cultural venues so it was recognizing that I felt something and I felt a disconnect then going okay like what am I going to do about it um and it feels much better like it feels much better for the people who have kind of turned up to co-working but also the Facebook group is like a lot busier and people are understanding how to use it and I think we've gone through a bit of like burnout haven't we and maybe this is to do with the pandemic where there was a lot of online opportunity and then People sort of kind of put bits of it down and were like, oh, no, it's too noisy or I can't or they're not really talking to me. Like I genuinely was wanting answers to these questions on the group, you know, I wasn't just sort of posting them just for fun. So, yeah, I think just constantly questioning in that kind of space of like connection, like what is it? Maybe it's not an Instagram post. Maybe it's a voice note with my coach, like who's amazing, Sarah Rad. She's so good. Um, She's, you know, she's really good with me as well. Like we're kind of colleagues as well, but I do book her for professional coaching. And sometimes it's just knowing, isn't it? Where to, where to put a thing.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting uh, perspective on like, so what does connection mean to me? Because actually since... You know, I went through a period of being like, is anybody out there, especially? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello <laughs> yeah. there. And then all of a sudden, as I've started, just it's the sharing the day-to-day stuff that now I get people messaging me all the time, and I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, so
1: happy. yeah, the and stuff right, that
0: people I'm, can connect to. Yeah. Um. So it's just working out what's what, but um. Yeah. Honestly, thank you so much for today. You're so um, welcome. Um, lovely to actually finally chat with you and yeah you've got such a calming
1: presence I feel like we've just gone so deep like I kind of have had an out-of-body experience because I've been so vulnerable like in my chat but I just feel like I just really wanted to be open and so I came in with that intention and I've gone to some quite deep places there but I'm super happy to have had the conversations I think are important yeah
0: I think it's really easy especially on zoom to be like oh we'll just cover these things but Mm at the end of the day we're just two moms trying to <laughs> get on and have a career and and have connection with people however that yeah. is so yeah for sure yeah fun. thank you so much thanks anna thank you Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah Harvey. It would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe and of course if you've got a friend who might enjoy this episode then please do pass it on. For anything else you can get in touch with me through either Instagram at mumsdays or through my website
1: mumsdays.com